Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Thoughtful Intentions. I'm your host, Fiona Winch, and today I'm joined by Paige Berry. Paige is an actress, puppeteer, and all-around creative person living in NYC. Originally hailing from Rhode Island, Paige made the trek to New York City after a series of really strange events. Getting waitlisted at Harvard, living on an island, and babysitting for Fortune 500 families. Paige has recently pivoted from pursuing the performing arts full-time with several side hustles to taking on a new role in the financial space. She's working on shifting her mindset about what a job means to her, seeing a job as more of a tool to do the things she loves rather than as an uphill, unrelenting passion project. Through all of her life's turns and missteps, she has kept one thing constant, her desire to connect with others through art. Before we get started, I just want to say one thing. Um, Paige and I spent a lot of this episode discussing the struggles that we've had in New York. And I just want to make it very clear that I do love New York. I do love living here. Um, and I think I can say the same for Paige. A lot of this is probably true for other major cities as well. I don't know that it's a hundred percent unique to the New York experience. And, but that said, a lot of this is specific to um, people who pursue the arts and the kind of things you encounter when that is your life path. As far as why we love the city, um, there was this one time when I got into a discussion with some of my old co-workers with this guy and he was coming in from elsewhere and he was like, I hate it here. I, I don't understand how people like it. And one of my old co-workers, um, he went off. He was like, New York is the place that will push you to grow. It will encourage significant growth and if you're ready to face yourself and face that then um, you come out better on the other side for it which I think has a lot of merit to it Um, and more so I would say it's just amazing to me that I can walk around the corner to the bar where my roommate works and meet other actors other journalists other writers other people that share similar interests just like a block away. Um, And I think that's true all over the city. You can walk into different places, meet really unique, cool people doing cool things that you're interested in. Um, And once you find that neighborhood that has those things that works for you, that you find that community, I think it is such a game changer. I love where I live now. I love the community that I've cultivated and it's taken a lot of work, but it makes all the difference. But getting to that point has involved a lot of um, the uphill battle portion of things. So that is what we talk a lot about in this episode. Um, But I just wanted to preface with the fact that it's been worth it and I still feel really pulled to the city. So should I ever feel pulled elsewhere? That'll be another story for another time. And without further ado, because this episode is longer as is, we might as well get started. Here's Paige. Hello, Paige. Hi, Fiona. I can't tell you how much I love that bio. Like it really does. (laughs) You really just like hearing it back. I was like, ooh, I was in a place when I wrote that. But yeah. (laughs) I love no, I love looking at my old cover letters and being like, like kind of feeling I don't know I'm just like who was this girl and like 
who yeah. hurt her. <laughs> no, you're like, what was this desperation, girl? No, oh, but it's cool. But but you <laughs> said it so well because I I align with a lot of that, like just Thank the you. uphill, unrelenting passion project, and just I don't know. Mm-hmm. I completely followed your um your line of thought there, and I'm just really excited to talk about all of those things. So I'm yeah, so glad you're no. here. Likewise. Yeah. We met at one of Emily's sessions, mm-hmm. like one of her first in-person uh, journaling sessions. I'm yeah. sure and um, yeah, w- we started talking, I think after the session about something that one of us had brought up and, mm-hmm. and yeah, I really aligned with your, the pivot that was going on for you that you were kind of in the middle of, or maybe in the beginning of yeah. Um, with, yeah, with your was, writing course. Yeah. That was early. Cause uh, so for context, um, Emily Cherto runs these journaling classes um, Paige and I met through one of these classes in July, actually, I think it was. Um, so that was, I was in the middle of the Columbia publishing course, which is also how I found Emily. Um, mm. Strangely I enough. I each other before, weirdly I, enough. Because well, you, know, you went I to the same school? Yeah, we both went to Penn State. We graduated yeah. the same year. We had tons of mutual friends, yeah. but we never crossed paths. Um, and then when I was applying to the course, yeah. I was like looking on LinkedIn to see if I could find people I knew who had done it Did it. and That's amazing, Emily yeah. popped up and I was like oh we have like a ton of crossover here and then it turned yeah. out that she lives around the corner from me That's so I was insane. like okay this is meant to be um so yeah That's so smart of you I love when people like actually use LinkedIn for what it's meant to be I used for rather than just to like self-flagellate I uh, know I only yeah. made a LinkedIn in March or April of 2020 and I was like what I the hell do I do then. with this yeah. I was like what do I do with this it's so weird I yeah. had like 30 connections and I was like okay I guess this is <laughs> like start. judging me I actually this is a side tangent I dated someone over the summer who um you know he was like talking about me to like his group of friends and then like one of his like one of his girlfriends looked me up and she's like, she doesn't have a LinkedIn. I don't trust her. And then I saw this sound on TikTok that was like, LinkedIn is the most neurotypical thing in existence. I will not go any further. And I was like, that is perfect. But also I still, I'm like, I'm not going to make one. I think until maybe I like get to the next rung in my current career, just because like, I don't feel like it and I don't need to, but maybe in two years down the road, I want to leave. I have a job. And then like maybe in two years down the road, I'll be like, okay, now I need to, I want to move to Boulder or something. So like, let me create this, like Mm -hmm. look at recruiters over there. But right now it's like, I hate the judgment that goes on with it, but using it as a tool to like reach out to your network or beyond is so vital. It's so Well, that's what I think for me, uh, one of the hard parts that I had with my pivot was I just didn't know what was out there. And so Mm -hmm. even just like finding the different job titles that people have or like the the way that like people list jobs like what the description is and all that I I just didn't know oh I don't know I can't of course I can't think of like a good example now but I'm like that job exists like people do this thing and like finding words to describe what I actually was curious about that I didn't know existed before so that was like at least in the beginning why I found it helpful but um it it yeah, there is a lot of judgment and just oh, it's so oh, I hate the listing of like accolades yeah. and stuff like that. You're like, I'm so much more than that. I kind of but, like you know how they well maybe you experienced this before you deleted it, but they also email <laughs> everyone. Yeah, they email everyone in your network when you like so get bad. a new job or something. They're like, Congratulate yeah. this person. <laughs> You're just like, why? And, like, I get those oh. emails and I'm like, 
yeah good for them uh. I know right <laughs> just work my own path People. Jesus yeah yeah um well it's okay so crazy I love this tangent but also keep just going to, yeah keep going you um give everyone who's listening a little bit more context here you okay. just got a new job in the corporate world how yeah. is it going so okay I have never had a corporate job in my life however um I have worked, so my side, primary side hustle in New York and a little bit before New York has been watching people's kids, Mm -hmm. Um, which you would think is like super unrelated, right? But when you're watching people's kids in Manhattan, these people are generally in the corporate space in order Mm -hmm. to afford, unless they're like crazy wealthy actors in West Village, which I haven't dealt with. Um, I've, I've like worked alongside those people because of my former employers and that's another story, but, um, and that's interesting, but no. So generally the people that I worked under, like the first person that I worked for in Manhattan and I was, this was a salaried position as an Annie, I was hired through this woman's company as her quote unquote executive administrative assistant. So on my resume, I can put that, but technically I was like her right-hand woman, like with her kids and, and, you know, her domestic life. Right. And this woman, um, she was a former trader on wall street all throughout her twenties. Um, she also like moved to India for some time. And, um, like she would like cross the border of India into a neighboring country. This is like, this is how crazy, like intense she is. She would cross the border of India into a neighboring country. I forgot which one. And she would like buy, um, buy furniture pieces there, um, for like next to no money compared to what she was making, obviously. And then she would go and like have someone she knew in New York sell it. And so I was like, why? This was like a completely separate, like this is not related to So I said to her, I was like, it was like, you were already like high up making crazy money and like living well below your means in India. Why did you need to do this? She's like, honestly, Paige, since the time I was little, my main passion in life and objective was just selling things. Like she's like, I always wanted to make money. And like, you know, so she like held her own paper route and, you know, did certain things. She grew up in the middle of Iowa, like, like in like a, a, almost like, you know, like a, like a ranch in Iowa. Right. And so she, that was always in her. And at that point I remember being like, Oh, I mean, I've always known this, but this was like seeing it in, in action. Right. It's like, everyone has different objectives for what they want out of life and what mm. they want out of a career. And hers was very money driven in mm-hmm. a way and very like business oriented. And I have never, ever been that way. Like my Me objective either. has always been to satisfy my inner creative need and also to help others, like to tell stories that connect with others and to yeah. start conversations. Right. And what's crazy is at one point, probably like 10 months into working for her, she said to me, she's like, the reason I hired you is because you reminded me of who I was when I was in my twenties. And in my mind, I'm like, I have never, ever been someone like you or or like, you know what I mean? Like my inner core does not align with like what your inner core wants. However, there are points of, yeah, there are points of connectivity. Like she and I could talk for hours, hours, right. Um, about any given thing. And 
you know, our, our point of connectivity, like you said, was our hustle, was our drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and while I saw her as like a mentor in a way, and like this, like this big force and like great feminist figure, um, at the same time, like there were a lot of toxic traits too that come along with yeah. that. Or not that, not that those always go hand in hand, but she did have a lot, there was deeply seated things within Mm -hmm. her that would like come to the surface, especially when we got more comfortable with one another. Um, She did say like my second week of working for her, she's like, my husband's so surprised at how much I tell you. And she's like, I'm usually very close off. Like when I started working for her, she gave me this sheet of things I could not tell people. Like I couldn't tell people... I couldn't tell people at the church she went to where the, bo- the boys that I watched her children went to school. I couldn't tell them where she lived. Wow. Um, I couldn't tell, like, this was kind of muddled and I got into trouble for this later on for no reason. I couldn't tell people where she worked because she, um, she owns her own business and I don't know. Like, Why is like, it so secretive? Exactly. Like we, I was, um, this was like 11 months into working for her and it was like the summertime. And this woman, um, at this, you know, she was like one of the parents of the kids at her kids' summer camp. Yeah. She's like, oh, you know, she's really nice. Like, what does she do? And all I said was like, oh, she owns her own business. That's like kind of all I said. It got back to my boss and my boss is like, why did you tell her that I have my own business? And I was like, what? Like, it's like, it's, I was like, what? Like this woman's like a stay at home mom. Like she's not out to get anyone. Like she was just I'm having so a friendly, confused. A friendly <laughs> conversation. Crazy. Right. So there were all these like really crazy, like things about discretion. And like, this was my first, and she was, you know, she would call herself new money or working class money, which is hmm. working, working class money in the city to her is, um, when you have dual income parents working and if one of them were to not work, they would not be able to afford quote unquote, their lifestyle. I have a, I know it's someone so who weird. also like, doesn't think that anyone can live in New York city without <sighs> making at least 50 K. And I'm like, Oh, who said you, that? <laughs> just someone who I said know, that? Someone I know who, um, does have, like, do they even live from, here? Yeah. They're actually from the city, but they're oh, they, stop. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh my God she's great but I was like oh you haven't seen this side of things <laughs> you haven't no you haven't. I mean like so when I moved here aside from now when I moved here with this job I was making more money than I had ever had in my life I was on salary I was making like a good amount of money mm-hmm. and then um so I knew that I she and I had this agreement that I would work for her for one year and then after that year she would take somewhat of a backseat at her job cut down her hours a little bit. The agreement was after one year, she's taken a backseat at her company. Like she had hired someone to kind of be like her right-hand woman. Uh-huh. And um, and also the boys would be in school full-time. So like, it wouldn't be necessary for me to be employed by her full-time. So I was like, okay, cool. So like, once I'm finished with you, like, you know, around September of this, of next year, then I can go and audition. And in my mind, I'm like, September's going to hit you know, maybe I'll take like a serving job a couple nights a week, but then I'm, I'm going to be an actor by December. Right? Okay. What year was this also? So, okay. So I moved to the city Labor Day weekend of 2017. Okay. And so I worked from her, worked for her a little bit beyond like September, 2018 mm-hmm. until October, October, 2018. So she, there was this point before like my one year where over the summer, like all of the wealthy people in Manhattan go to the Hamptons or mm-hmm. Nantucket or Martha's Vineyard or whatever. 
I've been to like three of these summers. I, Wait, this I have a my... quick question. Like it, Please. for security reasons, yeah. were other people allowed to know where you were? Like in if, what like, context if, do you mean? Like if people couldn't know where she lived, but like you were at yeah. her house, like did people know where you went to work, like where you were? Um, do you mean like people within her immediate circle? No, or like, like your friends, friends, your friends. So she like, that's, that wasn't her issue. Okay. Like if anything, like there was this one point where I was doing a trial run with them well before I worked for them. How I met her is a long story too, but, okay. <laughs> but I was doing a trial run with them and I was staying in her in-law apartment, which is like 10 floors down in the same building. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, she was like, if you want to invite someone over, like, that's cool. Like she was like interesting oh. in that way. And okay. like also side tangent too, she had told like her, the people that worked for her, like once Trump got elected, like if like that they can go and protest and she would bail them out of jail. Like she was cool in some ways, huh. but with like discretion, she's like, don't tell certain people at the church where I work, where I live, because I don't want them to like think that I'm above them, like certain oh, people. Okay. Right. Okay. And also, okay. also there was an instance in which this was like nine months into working for her. One of her, um, one of her employees, I think they, they fired her on just reasons. Um, and she like found where my boss lived on Zillow or something or somehow and was making death threats. Oh my God. What? And what's, yeah, what stinks is that, like, at this point, I had changed cell phone providers. And for some reason, like, that cell phone provider cut off my calls for a little bit. Like, they didn't activate my calls or my texts. So, uh-huh. like, so I was only able to receive them on this day if I was in an area of Wi Fi. And I was with her kids, you know, out and about downtown at a dance class. Uh-huh. So she was trying to get a hold of me saying, like, are you guys at the apartment? Is everything okay? Oh, my for, like, God. Three hours. So, like, there is there was some merit to what she was saying. Like, don't let people within my like periphery know where I live because when you get to a certain income bracket, people try to infiltrate that. And there's so much more at stake. She's like, that is so crazy. I I can't relate at all. I I can't, (laughs) but only from a distance. Yeah. Literally her life sounds like a TV show. I'm so blown away. It's insane. Um, And so, okay. So I spent like part of my summer, my last summer with Mm -hmm. them in the Hamptons, they rented a house. And, um, there was one point where there was an incident with one of the boys where like, I had like, he he was like fearless on like playgrounds. Mm -hmm. So we were at this like pumpkin patch type place, but it was the summer. So it was just like a fruit stand. And so there was a there was um a play set outside and then she was inside like getting some fresh produce. And so I was watching the boys and one of them was like, Paige, I really want to climb in the monkey bars. And I was like, because he's so able-bodied, I was like, I think you can do it. Okay. And they were a little higher up than mm-hmm. he's used to. So I'm like spotting him. And then at one point he just like falls. Oh no. And I'm like, oh my God. But he was okay. But obviously he was like crying. And this was yeah. the first time that like I mean, they had gotten hurt before, like they fall off a scooter mm-hmm. or this, that, and the other, but he was upset. He was fine. Right. Right. She comes out, she sees this and she's like, what just happened? Right. Oh no. And I tell her and she's like, what? Like, these are so high up, blah, 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 blah. but like, she's yelling at me later. So then on, so then Thursday comes, cause I have a Friday through Sunday weekend while they're mm-hmm. in the Hamptons. 
she's driving me to the train station to go back to the city in the Hamptons. And she's like, and we had to have this talk anyway. It was mid-August and like our agreement was that I would stay uh-huh. till like September. She goes, so, but the, her tone of saying this was like, you almost fucked up my kid's back. You know what oh I my mean? God. Yeah. So, so she's like, you know, um, we're coming up on a year. I can pay you up until December, but then like, you know, you can start auditioning and stuff, but she's saying it like very cutthroat, like very like shark tank. And so I'm like, I start crying because I'm like, you're fucking scary. Oh right. My God. I and I had this. seen like kind of the worst of her over the summer because it was the first time that she wasn't working around the clock. And so mm-hmm. we were managing the boys together. And when you're managing children with their family, with their parents around, they act worse. It's and so the parents, worse. the rules that the parents put in place for you to instill day in and day out go by the wayside because they're like, mm-hmm. oh crap, like this is the first time that I'm with the boys all year, 24 seven. So I need to be like the great parent. So yeah, they can have popsicles at 8 PM mm-hmm. when their bedtime's usually seven. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like they were off the walls and they were like, eh, like Paige isn't going to give us this. So blah, 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 blah. So, um, she, so I end up like crying and then eventually like I have this talk with her in September because like she's just becoming a little more you know uh, abusive in a way I don't yeah. that's not the right word and I say to her I'm like hey what if I stay until the end of October because I'm just like I can't I can't do this anymore and a mentor of mm-hmm. mine who's like in the entertainment industry is like this is really toxic you need to get out of this so she's like are you sure I was like yeah she's like where are you gonna work and I was like I don't know I, I know someone that works at 11 Madison which is like I don't know if you've heard of it Mm-hmm. It was like, it was like the number one restaurant in the world then, but uh-huh. like my brother's friend worked there at the time. And I was like, I'll work at 11 Madison. She's like, okay, whatever. I end up getting a job because when you're a nanny, it's kind of isolating. You don't have coworkers or people to network with. Right? I nannied the first like nine months I was here. It's, it's very and isolating I, to yeah, a point. I, I honestly hated it. Cause I was like, I've been yeah. that my whole life, but I was meeting yeah. an 18 month old and he couldn't talk yet. That's tough. And so, and, and I was living by myself. So it was like, Jeez. I was spending all day and all night just like talking to myself and it, it like gets to your, it gets in your yeah. head. It's like, it's yeah. so weird. I can't even explain it, but I really, and then you start thinking like a 10 year old or a four year old. just bizarre. Like, and I really, I just, oh. I don't recommend at least nannying for people that like maximum human interaction because Correct. it would not be more opposite. Correct. So. Especially with an 18 month old dude. Like yeah. I, I'm good with like children three and above, but babies, I don't understand babies. I don't, I watched one for like a little bit and I was like, I, Did I don't they understand also have cameras because I, all yes, the families yes. in New York that I've babysat for all have cameras and it really freaks me out because it's not like yeah. I'm doing anything, but like for example, they had a nest camera and, um, Mm. there was one point where I didn't even know that this was possible, but she talked to the kid through the camera. No, And I was like, just suddenly heard her (sighs) voice. And I was like, where is that coming from? It was, it really scared me because I didn't know. Yeah. Again, like I wasn't doing anything, but like being watched without knowing it is so, it's just a terrible feeling. Like it feels so weird. And I, there's one family I babysat for and, um, it was like a connection through my cousin. And my cousin told me, she was like, listen, 
this lady is not going to tell you that they have cameras, but I know that they do because she's mentioned it in her mommy and me group. She never mentioned it once, but like the whole time I was like, stop. I know the whole time I babysat for them, I was just like kind of on edge because I was like, where the fuck are these cameras? Like, this is making me feel so bizarre. She had, she was to her credit, I guess. No, um, she told me like a weekend. But also, like, she was, she's the only person that I've ever worked for that had them. But she would sometimes, like, there was one point where it was literally the day before I went on Christmas break, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the boys was sick. And mind you, up to this point, I had never watched TV with these boys ever. Mm -hmm. Because, like, that's a rule. Like, you just don't she texted me before I got in. She's like, by the way, like when you get there, I'm not going to be there. Eric's going to be there. And then he's going to leave. Um, Will's feeling really sick. So if you guys want to watch like a Christmas show, that's cool. So I ended up watching say maybe two Christmas shows with him. Uh-huh. This, is, this is my last day before Christmas break. But like, listen, also his this brother's is what napping. Like this is what parents This is would exactly do. what a parent would do. So, she calls me once the second episode or whatever we were watching, Christmas related, starts. And she's like, how's Will? And oh I'm my like, God. Fuck. <laughs> she's like, I said you could watch one show. And like, I meant like, you know, before, like maybe like at four o'clock, oh my God, what do you want me to do? Like, I understand to an extent that, you know, micromanaging your nanny, like sure. There's a certain way that you want your kid to be raised and that, you know, is important. Like, but like, yeah, exactly. If you're, if you can't trust this person, then why did you hire them? Like, it's just, but also like, I'm so good about Xing screen time screen time yeah. like I have I have puppets hold on oh She's I have to bed. ask about the puppets too okay there's so much we have to get to I'm so sorry but I know that I this is like, no this I'm, is this feels foundational this feels foundational so okay, I trust so this you. is Mr. Alpaca <laughs> hi how are you for those so who Mr. can't alpaca. see this is uh, this is a hand puppet that Paige is holding hello alpaca um so you know, I come with my own stuff. Like I'm creative. My brain mm-hmm. is fried every time I babysit because like, I'm constantly just like improvising with the kids. And then we go to the park and this, then the other. So for me to be like, let's watch one more episode of like Rudolph or whatever. It's like, I earned That's it. Crazy. <laughs> I don't know. And she was like, she's like, do you want this job? I'm like on the phone with her what? like eating it like carrot sticks. Like what? Anyway, that is so, so that was scary. So like, you know, that over the course of like a year, builds up that's intense yeah and and so I'm like yeah I want to I'm going to get this job at Blue Bottle and to my point earlier and our point about how isolating nannying is the only people that I like like yes I took acting classes and was friendly with people in those classes and um but the only people that I had really like made a connection with outside of that world was were the baristas at this specific location of Blue Bottle nearish to like her apartment and Mm. And so at one point I said to the assistant manager, I was like, Hey, listen, I'm probably going to get out of the nannying world. Do you guys have any openings? He's like, yeah, I can refer you. And like, yeah. So I end up taking the job at blue bottle. When I tell you, I, I went from making a great <laughs> amount of money to, I don't even know what fraction, like significantly less, significantly less, like in New York city, with minimum wage plus maybe three dollars tips at the end of the you know when everything was doled out per hour and I was like 
you know, my health insurance was gone at that point. Uh-huh. And just like every, everything was stripped of me. And I was like, well, at least I have my sanity and I could no longer pay my rent on my own. And so I ended up sharing my room. I really, ate, I ate proverbial ish for a minute and yeah. a half. I was like, and, and all I could think my mantra in the back of my head was like, I'm doing this for my craft. I'm doing this so that in two years or whatever, I, I will be there and I'll it's be the starving artist mentality. Oh, it was so bad Fiona. Cause it's I had not so made toxic. this little money. If you think about like how little money I was making relative to the city I was living in and where I was living and what my rent was, it was insane. And the fact that I was able to wake up at four 30 in the morning to get into Manhattan for a 5 45 AM shift and then leave by like one or one 30 and then like go and go to the gym and like go to one-on-one classes and, and like put all my money I, into one-on-one. Yeah. Fiona, I can't I even tell you, it got to the point, like it, I did this from October, 2018. This isn't a long time, but it feels like a long time. I told October, I, everything you're saying. It right was now, so bad, this, yeah. dude. I, know. I mean, granted the pandemic broke it up. So October, 2018 uh-huh. up until July, 2020, this was my life. Yeah. And the fact that like I was able to actually go to the gym and like take these one-on-one classes and persevere. I'm like, how did you do that? It's and so share my like, room. I shared my bed. I, yeah, that's great. You shared your you know bed. That's crazy. I shared my bed because I had like an Ikea pullout bed. Who did but, you like, share it with? Like a roommate? So, okay. Knew? Yeah. So first oh it was God. someone, it was someone sight unseen. Luckily we got Get out of here. Ali- Her name's Allison. I love you, Allison. We're still friends. Allison. As a singer songwriter from from Melbourne, right? So she was in the city a few years prior and then had to renew her artist visa. So had to go back to Melbourne for like a year or so, created an album in Melbourne and then came back here in order to do like the singer songwriter life. Mm -hmm. And so we shared the same effing bed for a number of months until she moved out. Until she moved out. So there was one point where like I got this quote unquote contract. Uh So it was like a, Originally, it was supposed to be five months, but it was cut to like four, three and a half. Mm-hmm. It was for this experiential event in okay. in Williamsburg, actually, on like Driggs in like fourth or something. Hmm. And it was in promotion of Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> Alita Battle Angel, which is like this manga that was written in the 1990s about like the 1%. So it was like kind of like ahead of its time. Oh, cool. It's about, it's it takes place in the future about the 1%. It's pretty uh-huh. interesting. I'm not a manga person, but I was like, okay, let me audition for this. And um, I ended up getting it. And while it wasn't like a passion project, it, cause we had a cast of like 60 that would like oh. trade nights and stuff like that. Okay. And girl, when I tell you that thing kept me afloat monetarily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So still like holding down my like barista job during the week. And then I would go and do this Friday through Sunday, but like just something like having the evidence that you could do something. Yeah. Creative and, and the like, network the that I made, yeah. I have friends that I made there that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. And like some oh, of them have awesome. moved back to their respective countries or like States. And like, we keep in touch mm-hmm. and, you know, I really built a really great network through these people who are all like multi-talented and crazy. And, um, And so that was great because it was like, I was working, flexing that muscle, you know, the character. So like you go between certain characters, but it eventually like you settle into one character because there are like Mm -hmm. different stations because it's an experiential kind of gaming thing. Oh, cool. And so like my, there's a lot of that now. 
Yeah. No. And they're fun. Mm -hmm. So my station was like, I was a cybernetic doctor and like, I just like fucking owned it after a while. I was like, I'm I'm good at this. Like, this was this mostly fun. improv? Cause it sounds like that's for the most part. So like when you're explaining, when you're explaining like the games to the group, like they give you initially mm, like during okay. your training, like bullet points of what you need to do and like a rough estimate of what your like monologue should be in the beginning. But okay. eventually it becomes like you're improvising while giving the right information. And then yeah. like, you know, when the people are going through the games, like you say your own thing and yeah. it it was just so, it was so great. And when that ended, so actually before that started, Allison, my Melbourne room, <laughs> literal Your, roommate, I don't bed mate. <laughs> yeah. So I calculated like before I started that, I was like, okay, eventually I'm going to make this much money from this thing. Mm -hmm. And I had just done this like random industrial thing. And so like in total, I will have made this much from acting by the end of this month. And that can be my goal. And hmm. so I was like, as a result of this goal, we should go and get brunch at the plaza. So oh, she shit. and I, and we, I have pictures of this. She and I went to the plaza to get brunch, which was like a hundred dollars a piece. And I'm like charged it to my like credit card. And I was just like, Oh my God. I was like, Allison, it's only up from here. And we're like, cheersing. <laughs> Like, that sounds um, like so much fun though it was so much fun and it was such like a great memory and I want to I want to do that again with her soon at some point it's, and be it's like, really hard it. to like give yourself permission to enjoy mm -hmm. things when you're in that yeah. place and like because I had a similar just I mean I moved here in September of 2018 um and pretty wow. much the first I guess like whatever how long I was here before the pandemic hit anyway but um it was all it was all terrible side hustle. So like bad, dude. And I was like walking around, like, how am I this broke? How am I working this much? Ever. This broke? Ever. And how am I working like harder, not smarter? Like, I just feel like I, uh, how am I in this? I don't understand. It feels impossible. And how to get out of it. But yeah. also like I, finding those um, ways to enjoy myself was yeah. just so imperative. And I, I really mm -hmm. couldn't give that up. Otherwise it was like, well, then what's the point? No. Like what? <laughs> no, I can justify, I can justify an experiential purchase like that. Like yeah, I can justify totally. like you're in your twenties. You just landed this like three or four, like five at the time. I thought it was a five month contract mm -hmm. and you know, you feel like the ball is rolling and you and your broke roommate who you share a bed with are like, let's go treat ourselves. Cause we have some cute fucking outfits and like, you know, yeah. we're feeling ourselves like, like I will always look back on that memory and be like, you did the right thing. Yeah. I don't care that maybe it took you a little while to pay it off. Yeah. But you <laughs> were clearly it frugal. It's not like you were like, oh yeah. Did you, did your friends have like a hard time understanding like how you could live here and like how you could. My friends back things? home, my friends back home. What's interesting is that. So I, I had like a, I had like a very kind of difficult end of adolescence. Um, I had uh -huh. some health issues and so I didn't like get to go to the college that I wanted to go to because of these health issues. Okay. And so if anything, like I went to a college where it was a state school in Rhode Island where just to get out of the state is a big thing. So people that were like, I said, it's Harvard, almost went to Harvard. I, I almost went to Harvard for my master's. That's another story. That's crazy. <laughs> I was waitlisted. Um, um, but luckily I didn't go because I would be so far in debt right now. Anyway, 
accurate. Uh, yeah, I would be 150k in debt. I know someone oh that God. did it. I know someone that did it for my alma mater, and he's like not even in the business anymore. Really? That's I can't my even. Biggest fear about like I argue yeah. with my parents about this, oh. like whether or not to go to grad school. And I love school, and I love learning. Fucking grad I would school, totally dude. go to grad school if I could. But I'm also like, yeah, I'm not going to go to school again for an industry that I'm not 100 about. And also, uh-huh. I don't think that most industries. I mean, if unless you're going yeah. into the medical field or like becoming even a the medical field, even the medical field, it's, it's like, just like it might not be worth it. I mean, for that amount of debt that you pay off until you're in your fifties, even right, though you're making but like, you also don't like, I don't need a master's to do certain jobs. No, and it would be no. wonderful if I could just learn for, you know, a yeah. decent price, but there's nothing that's priced decently. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no. And like anyway. recently when I was like, Oh, maybe I'll go the more corporate route. I, I was like, but I still want some passion in what I'm doing. And yeah. so I was in, I was interning or volunteering at um, New York Presbyterian before mm-hmm. I, or while I was in interviews with this hedge fund. And um, I was looking into more like child life in mm-hmm. hospitals. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but it's basically like you are the person that makes children's stays better in oh, hospitals, cool. right? But yeah. the thing is, so you get into, you go to the master's program and then you come out and even in New York, your base pay is 50K after getting a master's in this thing. And you're working alongside people in in the medical field. And like, you have to know medical knowledge and this, that, and the other, like, and so I was doing this volunteer thing. And can I just tell you the hierarchy in hospitals at the ground level compared to a hedge fund is more stark. It's like, I, you, like you don't even look at the doctors. The yeah. nurses are always pissed or at least where I, I was in the emergency room and like they, they, the nurses just feel like their voices are not heard and mm. they're overworked. And the doctors are just like holier than thou. Where it's like at the fucking edge fund, like no one, no one's like that. We know that um, the healthcare system is severely broken. It's so broken. And so I was like, I couldn't justify doing this thing that could eventually be a very passionate thing. Cause it fuses a lot of the things I'm into, like mental health, children's advocacy and well-being. Like, like, it's like I love those when you're things. saying yes to this thing, what else are you giving up? You know, like I'm giving up, giving up years, my sanity of my life. Yeah. And an internship and your whole bank unpaid, account <laughs> unpaid. It's like, yes. I, I got to a point where I was really considering this and I was like, I would have to be married in order to do this. You can't do this. I mean, you could, but I would need some help. Yeah. It would be I'm hard. Like, I can't justify. Cause I've always been like, I'm an independent bitch. Mm-hmm. I can't justify trying to find a man to lock <laughs> it down in order for me to do this career. That's only going to yield 50 K yeah. at the end of three years. So then no, I was like, okay, I mean, that doesn't seem no. like the way. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, like, yeah. it's fine. Like when you're 22 and you're like, I want to do this thing. That's and like, what... my parents are going to help me. But when you reach a certain point where you're like, I've been yeah. paying my phone bill for a couple of years and I've been holding it down in my apartment for a couple of years. You don't want to go back to that. No, I, I actually did an internship yeah. this year that was um, oh, shoot. paid $10 an hour. And I did, <laughs> no, I know. And I did so Stop. much, so much work that was like, worth way more. And mm-hmm. I was extremely frustrated when like no one else would take this, like no, no. one else would do this. Like it's some people so can't. brutal. Some it, people cannot. I, I'm still paying for it. It was basically, Stop it. It was basically Did you like charge a, a lot of things or it's a loan. 
No, no, no. What? It was like they paid oh, it yeah. $2 I know an hour, what you mean. but it feels like it was a loan because even now I'm like paying it back in taxes, like more than I even, what? it's, Stop it's, insane. It. it's like, it's, oh. it's just like such a cop-out. Like I don't, anyway, yeah. um, I didn't no. mean to go down that rabbit hole, but fine. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like it's, yeah. really, it's yeah. really tough to, to get yeah. to a certain point and like be okay. I'm not 22 anymore. I can't, I'm not, no, I can't I'm not be 22. okay with like, I can't be those, scrappy. Yeah. I can be scrappy, but like, I still need to have this room, Yeah, you know, that isn't my childhood room, but sorry, like to backtrack back to your point about where people back home, like, what are you doing? Yeah. No, no, because I was the one that got out. Mm. So to them, even just being in New York is like the pinnacle of success. Right. Okay. Because most of them just stayed in Rhode Island and uh-huh. they were still doing theater and like kind of jealous that they're able to do theater. That's the one. That's the thing about New York too, is that I went from Rhode Island where I was doing show after show after show that would overlap tech weeks and mm-hmm. whatever else. And then I came to New York and I'm like, huh? Yeah. Now I'm this nanny for one year. I'm taking classes. Haven't yes. touched a stage. <laughs> Haven't touched a stage. And like, even to like get into a room, get into an Atlantic theater audition, second to last person scene, and to cry my eyes out at this monologue where it's warranted. And for someone to not make eye contact with me when I walk into the room and not give me the time of day when I have overly prepared for this, only only to figure out that like this show had already been cast. This this whole like <laughs> casting process was I just know. to appease equity. Yeah. I'm like, what is the point of me honing this craft for say like $365 a session or $365 for like three weeks of classes mm-hmm. only to not be looked at and to be considered. Right. Do you know what I mean? No, and I, so, I oh. like you said, even just getting into the room period is one of yeah. the uphill major uphill battles that I totally didn't anticipate and had a really hard time wrapping my head around because I was like what did I just do for four years I feel so confident about the craft itself but it's like if I can't get in the room then how the fuck do I like go about this it was like yeah yeah. oh it's crazy so so you studied psychology you said I studied psychology I was originally a double major but there was something fishy about our theater program. There were a couple of mm-hmm. things that rubbed me the wrong way. Uh-huh. Um, one was that the only full-time act straight acting professor that they had 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 left to go to the other state school. So we didn't have mm-hmm. a full-time straight acting professor. We only had adjuncts. Okay. One of the adjuncts was amazing. Loved him so much, but he was hard mm-hmm. to get hold of too outside of school. I like had this thought in the shower the other day. I was like, if only Joe Short like had given us his email and he was like easy to get a hold of because I could have talked to him about MFA programs. But at the time, at the time, like when you come from a state, this state school that's like largely working class and blue collar, you don't understand that like reaching out like that is not, it's, it's not, a, I think that when you, when you come from I didn't come from like a low economic status or anything mm-hmm. like that, but I, I keep, I was in a school where a lot of people came from working class families. Mm-hmm. And so that gives you this mindset when you're surrounded, you know, and also for me, um, that asking for help or asking for a recommendation or a, a guide in any direction is you admitting that you're good and that's bad. Right. 
Mm. in a way like it's hard to I need to like read a book about this mindset because it is so rife I'm like hillbilly elegy doesn't really like it does but it doesn't talk about Uh it also his politics are bad so (laughs) it took me so like I should have had that conversation with him but I was like who am I to think that I can do this thing and then it just snapped in me where I was like where I was like I need to try for MFAs because I do think I'm good and Mm. um you know I reached out to people I was comfortable reaching out to but maybe weren't the the right people to have gotten references from or advice from or acting coaching lessons from like you're supposed to humble yourself like yeah but then I moved to the city and I see how unhumbled a lot of people are and um and I'm like even I mean it's it's mostly like people even just like a lot of people are good at advocating for themselves that are um bold and yeah and I admire it because that's like what I want in a way but yeah, then, but it's, it's then there's it a fine really, line. It can be really rat racy. Like I remember yeah. my first full day with my boss with her kids. She had like a half day on Fridays and we went on like the ferry line to see the Statue of Liberty. Cause that's like something that I had planned for us to do. And mm-hmm. yeah. And there was this point where like, so I was with one of her kids and she was at the other one, they're fraternal twins and they both mm-hmm. have like different, very different skill sets, which I love. And so she was with the one that's a little more skittish. He didn't want to sit like right next to the water at this point. So she's like, Hey, can you hold our seats in front of you guys? And then we'll come back. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, cool. And so they were like standing at the front of the ship for like a long time. And there was this family behind us. And like the little boy didn't have like the seat right next to the water. And I looked at my boss and like, they're still up there. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think she's going to come back. So like, you guys can sit here. And then eventually she did come back. And instead of being like, oh, that's awesome. You gave it up to them. She's like, why would you do that? We were here first. And that is the most, God. it was, that was the turning point of like, oh, that's the New York mentality. Mm. And like, I see myself subconsciously doing that too. Sometimes it's like, yeah, I'm not going to move for you when I'm walking because I was here first. That's so messed up. <laughs> yeah, like the amount of individualism in this city. Yeah. But like, like terrible like it's, but it's oh. hard it, like I feel like we're constantly bombarded with that narrative of like mm. you're a bad bitch and you shouldn't move for anyone which I can't I mean I think like I do and it's terrible. yeah I don't know it's but it's like a dichotomy I don't know because I I do want to feel that inner self-confidence and like walk mm. with my head held high and like yeah. feeling good but that doesn't mean I can't be compassionate towards others on the street you know what I mean yeah yeah. And then even when I am, like, if, if I give food to, you know, if someone's on the, on the subway and I have like a container of food or an apple mm-hmm. or a granola bar and I give it up to them, I'm like, I start thinking about how I'm being perceived in the, in the subway cart. I'm like, do people see this as a performative act? I don't want mm-hmm. this to be a performative act. It's so messed up. It's yeah. There's like this weird, weird feedback loop in New York. That is so crazy. Yeah. But yeah, the, the whole notion of like getting ahead, it's like, where's the fine line between like, preserving who you are and your morals and also trying to build up but I think that's a common pop problem for like theater people who come here anyway mm. it's like this kind of assumption that everyone can do the same things to get to the same places no. and like it'll work and I mean just commenting on your shift even you brought up like yeah you're changing your relationship to how you think about jobs and like that yeah. was something that was huge for me because I was like yeah I fucking hate that there's a, okay, everyone nannies, everyone caters or everyone bartending or like, yeah. you know, the jobs that they're like, okay, this is just what you do. And yeah. right before the pandemic hit, I was like, what are my other skill sets? Like, what do Same. I enjoy doing? What could I tap into mm-hmm. that 
doesn't make me hate my life every day. You know? Yeah. And no, then you start that's dramatic, but too. Absolutely. You start resenting it. You're like, I'm not going to see that play. Like, screw you guys. Like you denied me my right to do the thing that I love. <laughs> and now I can't even enjoy it anymore. I can't even read plays. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then it's like, what the, f- it's, yeah, it's, it's so angry. I mean, unnerving. Yeah. Um, there's this really great book that my friend, so my friend Paratosh, um, we met during the pandemic. We both got off at the wrong bus stop. Um, he just graduated from Columbia with like a master's in chemical engineering. And so like so different from my career path, but you know, did everything slightly by the book. Um and there's this book that he introduced me to when I was going through the, should I just get a normal day job? And it's uh-huh. called be so good. They can't ignore you by call Newport, Cal Newport. Mm-hmm. It is so good. It's really? also going to make you really angry while you're reading it or listening oh, no. to it. I listen to it on audible because it's, but it's going to confirm this notion that it's diff, like going to like going into a career fueled by passion is can be soul sucking mm-hmm. and it, it can it can you know kill your passion almost for that thing yeah. and what he says and I don't know if I agree with him 100% but it, you know this made it my transition a little easier is that you should take note of the talents and skills that you have put it into a career of any kind mm-hmm. build on those talents and skills within that career and eventually those hard skills are going to combine with your soft skills and points of passion. Mm-hmm. And you can create something else after forming these skills and, mm-hmm. and cultivating them. You can create something else that more aligns with your, your soul. Yeah. Um, but building that foundation is super important. So right yeah. now, like what I do like I, if you had told me I worked at a hedge fund a couple of years ago, I'd have been like, shut up. Okay. How the hell did shut you get up. in with a hedge fund? Like, okay. What, I, I'm what not happened? an analyst. I'm not an analyst. So my roommate, Mariah, who I, I think she left, but she like, she's next door. Uh-huh. Um, she's an opera singer. However, okay. her, so, you know, she moved here, I think 2016 mm-hmm. and um, worked, worked odd jobs left and right. And then eventually was like, I need something a little more stable. And also the opera world is like crazy, crazy to break into, right? Yeah. So she ended up um, working for a hedge fund. She went through a recruiter, a friend referred her. And so her day job is like admin for a hedge fund nine to five. But then now with the pandemic, like the aftermath of the pandemic, everything, a lot of auditions are at night or you know, self-tape and mm-hmm. whatever else. And so um, that's her thing. And so I got to this point in nannying this fall where I was like, oh, Mariah, I don't think I can do this. So she referred me to this recruiter that worked with her. Mm-hmm. And because like I had said before, I'd always worked for families who were finance adjacent. Like the woman yeah. I worked for was a trader and then opened up her own business after trading, right? Or right. the most previous family I was with, the mom was a stay-at-home mom, but mm-hmm. the dad um, was like high up in a hedge fund as a CFO at a quant kind sure. of company. And so while I don't have tangible quant experience, I under- I've worked alongside these people. I understand how they operate more or less. 
And so I'm like, okay, I can spin this to my advantage. And also on paper, my first nannying job was technically executive administrative assistant, mm-hmm. right? So I found this, so this job posting and um, it's essentially, so what I do is right now I'm a personal assistant, but okay. eventually it's going to segue into EA and then project okay. management. Gotcha. So there's like a nice flow. And like, that was brought up to me up front. Like we're going from domestic to more office to more you're managing this ish. Right. Okay. Gotcha. And it was the first one I interviewed with and went really well. I really jived oh. with the, so I'm a personal assistant to a project manager at a hedge fund. I'm hired through the hedge fund. Okay. So this, so they just opened an office in August in Manhattan before they were just in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So they have two offices now. And he's, he had been at the, he's been with the company, I think like since he graduated with like his PhD mm-hmm. or whatever. So he had been at the Greenwich one and had um, a Connecticut apartment and this, that, and the other. And so now he's moving his stuff from his Connecticut apartment to his Manhattan apartment that he already bought. Mm-hmm. However, because he's a sing, he's single, you know, he's, he's like middle-aged, but he's, he's single. doesn't really have time. Um, mm-hmm. He needs someone to help him orchestrate this move, orchestrate the design of his current apartment, reach out to contractors. Oh, wow. And um, That's perfect. I think because I have been able to like work alongside these people in a domestic way and whatever else. Like I know how to, I, I know how to like get their needs met. And you're making I think their that, lives easier. That, yeah. that was, that shown through, I guess, in the interview. And I was, you know, able to crack jokes with him and, you know, whatever. And so right now, like that's what I'm doing, but I'm also reporting to the office and his apartment and like restoration hardware, which is fun. So it is a lot of like, I mean, I work nine to six Monday through Friday. It is a lot of like busy time on, on computers, which I'm not used to, like I'm used to like, you know, but like before I had a very active job, right. I would talk to all these people, but then I'd be with the kids and like be creative in that way. And so for this, I was like, oh my God, like I blue screen burnout is so real. Right. But there are moments where I can go off site. So like um, you know, well, I went to the restoration to office or like, yeah, those places for sure. And like, I've made some like pretty cool friends so far in that okay. office. Um, and you know, I went to the restoration hardware showroom on Thursday, I think. And that was the first time where I was like, wow, I'm really inspired, you know, just from so the cool. sheer beauty. And I went by myself and I ended up like meeting one of the sales associates who was like really helpful. And then I found out he just moved from LA and he's an actor and we're like, let's collab. And, um, but I had a great conversation with him and then just being in such a beautiful space. And I'm not like a materialistic person, but there's something about beauty and design that is just inspiring to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I remember just being like, I don't know what this is, but this feels good. And this is the first time, like in this job where I'm like, this feels good. And this isn't all of what I'm going to be doing, but I'm like, I have to remind myself like, oh, I'm in this space because of this job. And I have to glean like the good aspects of this in order to Mm -hmm. kind of feed my soul. And I don't think that this is my end all be all career, but I know that I'm building some hard skills like Excel. Girl, I now think in Excel. It's crazy, but it's helping me like organize my thoughts and my, um, my kind of to-do list better because of that like excel framework it's weird it's only been like three weeks but like but I'm you like, said it's like this is a yeah. tool to do the this other is a tool that you enjoy exactly and, I and I'm like completely at some point agree. yeah at some point I can take these more 
business oriented managerial aspects of this job and maybe fuse it with, you know, my passion projects Mm -hmm. and maybe at some point do somewhat of like a Sarah Blakely, like, I don't know. Like why not though? You know? of sorts. Yeah. Why not? And so the more you like, know the better. For sure. And I think that we're taught in college and even before that, that careers are terminal and you know, you choose this one major and that's it for life and things like that. And, and especially in today's day and age, like that's not true. So yeah. like this said, now you are in this nine to six and like, yeah. how are you feeling about your artistic endeavors? Like, is this something that you do want to return to or you're going to find yeah. time for in your life or like, what yeah. does it look like now? So right now, because this job is such a big change of pace for me, Like I said, like the blue light burnout is so real. Right. And there's a lot of busy work too. Like I can work from home at times, or I can like work from his apartment, which I feel like I get more done there. But there are times in the office where if I'm waiting for him to like get out of meeting for us to do like a one-on-one where I'm just doing busy work that I should not be doing. Right. Or that like is not necessary because of the perception of others. I don't want people to think I'm slacking off. You know what I mean? And so I'm just like, there are so many points where it's just busy work. Right. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of people with nine to fives will kind of agree with that at times. Um, and so my mind wanders and I'm like, I, I know that I'm not a cog in, in the machine. And I know that I, you know, Excel doesn't spark my life, right. (laughs) There are elements of this job that spark my life, but, and but because I am learning new skills right now, it is taking a lot of my, you know, a lot of my headspace up. Mm-hmm. But once I get more into the swing of things, I'm going to, my hope is that I start creating more. Um, so focusing mm-hmm. less on like making myself available and, you know, molding myself to the whims of casting directors, I'm going to be like, no, this is what I am. This is the story I can tell. These are my, these are the people I'm collaborating with to create these things. And this is what I would have wanted to see two years ago yeah. or now that I'm not seeing. Right. So there are some classes that are coming up that I do want to take. And I think in like their next month and the month after where are I think also that one-on-one. No, screw that place. I am cracking. <laughs> when you said that is, earlier, girl, I was you had that. a visceral reaction. I was like, oh, well, no. it, it was just, I hate no, one-on-one. I didn't even take that many classes there because so I couldn't afford it. Like, you know, I was, I've spent I could maybe like budget whole paycheck for it. on a class. Yeah. And I, I could maybe budget for it, but every it, time. it was just like, this is silly. I can't believe that <sighs> I hate a play. Yeah. I can't. It's like, so messed up. I hope that place is bankrupt right now after the pandemic. I really do. <laughs> and you were like, you're like, oh, I'm going to be discovered. Like that was my plan of attack. I was like, well, no one's going to see me at audition. So they'll see me here. And like, that I didn't asked, happen. No, I had a classmate who was a few years older than I was yes. like, in college who got an agent after school. And I was like, oh, how did you do that? And he was like, oh, I did this um, weekend program through like not one-on-one, but oh, a yeah. studio. And yeah. it was like $7,000. Maybe stop. I, I might be exaggerating, but it was definitely a few thousand dollars. And I was like, I can't not right. spend that. I can't spend thousands of no. dollars on three days hoping no. that someone signs me. Like that is that is crazy. That's like, terrible. Just, and then if they don't can't do that, then if they don't. I know it's terrible. Oh, it's it's really manipulative. And it's like, yeah. And then I, also with how many months of being signed with them will it take to um 
get that money back in, you know, through I just that think avenue. it's really difficult think about that too, to like, the cost benefit. Right. No, I think it's it really difficult to enjoy the, um, artistic pursuit if you don't feel stable or like secure yeah. because that yeah. is so important. I mean, even I, I can't imagine how the desperation just reeked on me. Like when I was yeah, same. broke, because it was like, yeah. this isn't just something that I want to do. This is something I feel like if I can't do, I will just be broken, you know, as a person me too. and, me too. and no one is going to cast that person because they just yeah. don't look like, well, you know, like, yeah. But then you break yourself in efforts yeah. to not feel broken. And it's, it's a vicious it's cycle. So hard. But yeah. if anything, like, no, so these classes, um, one of them is with this woman and I really love her. Her name's Kathleen McNenny. Okay. Um, she, she actually, and this is really strange other than directors. I had never had a straight up and down female acting teacher. I'd only ever had males. And so I didn't come across her until 2018. I've taken two classes with her, like scene study classes. Um, and she's finally hosting in-person ones again, starting in May. She like sent out a, like a newsletter. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. But what's crazy is that I had never had a female one. And with her, it, she's like a warm motherly presence. And there have been so many times, not all of them, but where like male directors or male teachers in acting are very like, well, this is what you look like or this, that, and the other, or let's yeah. change that line because you're not thin, you're curvy or this or that or the other. And, and, um, are a little, you know, cutthroat about some things. And with her, she's like, she's very not coddling, but she's nurturing. Hmm. And as a result of that, I feel like I'm always so emotional after her classes. Like even just seeing hmm. her, like talk to other students after they do their work, I'm like, wow, you are so supportive. Oh my God. Instead of getting to a point of belittling to get the, the emotion out, she gets to a point of, yeah. she's like, no, let me like, like, oh, it's, it, I, I mean, when you have a space, she's magical space to like play yeah. and to explore, yeah. and to try new things. I think that, that the results are so much better. Like, Oh yeah. That's the only, and I feel like I did I it started I had that at times. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you did improv. Well, just what the class that I took in the city before the pandemic hit, um, I took for a, about a longer than a year, I guess. Um, it was Anthony yeah. Anderson's class, which I loved, highly recommend. We met twice a week. Um, yeah. and it was like two fifty a month, which was unheard of. That's insane. And Wait, it was what like, school was it? or what Anthony Abeson studio. Um, okay. Well, like so yeah, yeah, absolutely. I highly recommend. And it was wonderful. And I had hated him, not hated, but I was scared of improv, which it's, I guess it's a lot of times yeah. scared, hate the things that we're scared of, but, um, mm. I had never done much of it, but the way that he went about it, it was always mm. in service of like, a scene or a monologue or something that we were doing where he would want us to, okay, like, what is the moment that you're referring to? Let's flesh it out with improv, you know, like, so that knew if I'm talking about something that happened in the past in this scene or in this monologue, I now have something in my head that I'm kind of tapping into, but also something in my body that I have now played out. Yeah. That I can tap into. Um, and that made a lot of sense to me, like logically like, Oh, I can totally get behind this and this will be of service to this piece and make for sure better for it. 
Um, so I really appreciated that. And all the spaces that he created were always safe for exploration. Mm. And I, I don't know why that was so hard to come by. Like, and not to say that I didn't get that in college too. I definitely had professors that were better at cultivating that than others, but, um, it makes, it makes all the difference. It really does. I feel like New York, the, the teachers that I've had here for the most part have definitely made me a better actor. Yeah. And some have created that safe space and it is so vital because like largely the teachers you'll have here are working actors. So it's not, (laughs) it's not like they did like the MFA to teaching pipeline and Mm -hmm. skipped, you know, the crazy steps. Right. Yeah. And so they get it. They totally get get it. it. You have to get it. You get it. First of all, there has to be so much empathy involved in like, mm, I mean, I always, you should always strive to be prepared, but like, you know, especially in the city, sometimes life fucking happens and like, dude, just having empathy for young actors that are trying to navigate the city and this lifestyle, yeah, I think is one of the main ways that we don't burn out. You know, you need yeah. those kind of mentors who are like, just can extend a little bit of understanding and, you know, compassion for how difficult it is when you're actually literally here and trying. Yeah. You're here, you're trying, you, you know, you just worked like however many hours at your shift. Now you're here and trying and no one from back home gets that. They can say, Oh, I I hear New York is hard. I hear it's expensive. And it's like, it's draining. Even just walking down the street or taking the subway sometimes can you know, knock you down a couple energy Mm -hmm. points. Like, do you like the city? I mean, I'm, we're, we're going, we're going uh, longer than I thought, but I'm so sorry, but no, I I could talk to you for hours. I don't even know what time it is. Wait. Oh, you're right. I Um, could talk to you for hours. I I don't mind. I know. This is is just, I love this. Um, do I like the city? I think that is the most pivotal question of this entire thing <laughs> when I moved here because I grew up not too far from here so we would I would come here like at least you know once once every year with my stepmom at least from like age 12 onward and we would see a show or two shows like we'd you know um and we just come up for a weekend for yeah and um I think when I first moved here I moved here I moved here with a job Right. Mm -hmm. And the job that I had with this woman showed me a lifestyle and showed me a society that was very interesting. Not that I liked it, but it was very interesting. Like there was one point where like I I was in the former home of like Yoko Ono and John Lennon. And I was like, what? Yeah, girl, I know where they lived before the Dakota. I know like I know the family that like owns it's crazy so So I remember like being I mean like it was one of the kids classmates right Mm -hmm. that I watched and I remember like being in the living room and I was like what did he write in this living room that's so do you know what I mean yeah so there were facets of New York life that I was like this is really interesting you're not gonna find this anywhere else no and I was like kind of flying off of that high of newness and also like wow these experiences are crazy like like stuff that you wouldn't believe right and like exploring my place like you know the neighborhoods in Brooklyn was like really vital to like there are some places down there I'm like okay if I make x amount of money I want to just live in Berea Hill or Cobble Hill yeah I'll go back but like um 
No. So I feel like I was riding on the high of like, this is my first year, these crazy experiences. This is awesome. I was working my ass off, but like, yeah. and also at the end of this year, I can go and do the thing that I love full time. Right. Yeah. So I think that for a while, and I said this most recently to someone for a while, my hopes and my aspirations were keeping me afloat. Mm -hmm. It's like, I was married to the notion of what I thought my future would look like in six months. Right. In that, that was enough craziness. That was enough to keep me satiated. And then right before the pandemic, just like you, I start questioning everything. I'm like, this thing is not keeping, like, I am not nourished by this thing yeah. anymore. Yeah, I can't, I can't be nourished by something that is um, hypothetical anymore. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I've done like all drinking that I out of like an empty energy. water bottle. Oh my God. Yes. I've done all that I can. This is the point I was at in like November, 2019. I've done all I can with the amount of energy that I have left in my body, with the amount of talent that I have at this moment. And it is still not panned out for me. And I am exhausted. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I went back home for a little bit and then I came back and I was like, okay, I'm ready to start afresh. And then the pandemic hit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then pandemic hit. And I was like, I have all this free time. And I, I went back home for three months because, mm -hmm. you know, I was yeah. My work shut down for three months, but they were still paying us luckily. Um, but I went back home and I was doing all these self tapes. I was like, yes, everything's going to open back up for the summer and like, I'll get summer stock. And like, I have the time now to like put forth energy to do these auditions and send them in. Like, this is awesome. It's all remote. I don't have to wait in line. And then it gets to a point you're filming a couple every day. I had a schedule during the, the pandemic. Wow. That was like film this, film that, work on this monologue, yeah. launch a lot. I don't know how I was doing it. And I was like working out in the backyard and like all this stuff. I was like, I need to do something. Right. Yeah. Cause it was that, you know, I, yeah, yeah. you go oh, from yeah. New York, like the suburbs and you're like, this is my day now. Oh yeah. And, um, then it got a to lot the point where I was like, I was like, no one's watching my videos. And also I had just, you know, the actor's theater of Louisville. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I got to like the last rung of that program right before the pandemic. Wow. I didn't know that. And so I was like, I almost got this nine month thing that would have given me crazy EMC points in, you know, networking potential for the Humana Festival and shit like that. I didn't get it. You know, I got so close, but I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. And then I'm filming these self tapes. No one's watching. And that's I'm like, that's the most heartbreaking part of all. It's just like yeah. realizing that no, like you put so much work into something so much, and no one is looking at it or sees it. I was exhausted. Yeah. I was like, this is my only, this is what I'm living for right now. This is the only thing keeping me afloat is this notion still mm -hmm. and nothing is panning out. Right. And I'm like, what is happening? Um, but you came yeah. back. I mean, you stayed here. I came, I came back, dude. And the only reason I came back <laughs> was because, so before the pandemic, this family that I had babysat for before I moved to New York, in Martha's Vineyard, that's how I met my former boss. Mm -hmm. She reached out. She reaches out to me. She's like, "Can you watch my son?" Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, "Yeah." So this is like a, a month and a half before lockdown, and so I'm watching him, and I'm making more money again. I'm still working at Blue Bottle, but I'm like, "Okay, I'm back in the nannying world." So then when I come back to the city, mm -hmm. it's like July, and I'm back at my Brooklyn apartment. She's like, "Can you continue watching?" And then I go to the Hamptons with them. I quit Blue Bottle because I'm going to the Hamptons, making more money, and she's trying to figure out this is summer of 2020 she's like I don't know if he's gonna be virtual she finds out he's gonna be virtual she's like he's gonna be virtual would you be able 
I know this sounds like a crazy request because there's only two weeks left of the summer and my lease. Right. And I had already signed a lease in like Bushwick, Mm -hmm. which would have been a bad idea. Long story. (laughs) She goes, would you be able to break your lease and uh, live live within walking distance of us on the Upper West Side? I was like, I was like, I would never, I was like, um, I'm never, I thought that I would not live in Manhattan until I was like very wealthy. Uh I ended up finding a rent control apartment, which I live in. 12 Damn. minutes walking distance less from her apartment. And I'm wow. making, I mean, I'm paying less now than I was in deep Brooklyn. Really? Wow. And so there are, there are these moments of grace that happen in my life. Sometimes when I look back in hindsight, like getting waitlisted at Harvard or, um, you know, this moment that I just told you about where she's like, you need to move to the Upper West Side. And I was like, that's impossible. And then I yeah. did. Cause looking back on the past two years that yeah. I've been here almost, I'm like, I wouldn't, if I was living in Brooklyn, half of what I'm able to do right now for my work or whatever else would have been that much more difficult. So, you know, I, in some way, I'm like a spiritual person. I, yeah, I did the reverse. I lived in Manhattan first and then now I'm in Williamsburg and I love Brooklyn so much more, but it's like, I, I think that is truly the complex nature of like loving New York, which I do. And yeah. I honestly surprise myself by like how much I don't want to leave it yet. <laughs> like I know I, I, oh. I totally am down for like getting away for sure. I don't want oh to go to the time. Catskills yeah. soon. Yeah. But like I keep coming back. I keep coming back. Yeah. Like, I just feel like I have so much unfinished business here. And same, once you same. find like an apartment and a neighborhood that you yeah. enjoy and that like suits your personality and your needs, I think yeah. that makes it 10,000 times. Oh, for easier. sure. I think for me, like I love my roommates. I love that they're both working professionals. I love or creative professionals in their own right. I love that I'm near the parks. I love that work isn't difficult to get to as it would have been where I lived in Brooklyn. However, there is something when I go back to Brooklyn to like see a friend or something, there is a weight that is lifted off my shoulders once I'm there. Like, I feel like if I stay in New York for like, say the long haul or whatever, like if I like have a family here, like I want to be in Brooklyn, but right now where I am is beneficial to what I'm doing now personally. Right. No, it's like, like I'm like this, it's, it's so functional for me about loving New York though. I've gotten to this point right now where the aspiration, my aspirations, you know, are no longer keeping me afloat. They're just part of this deck of cards that I have, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of like that being my driving force. So I'm trying to think of like what could be my driving force, if anything, or if I should just balance out all these cards. Mm. And there have been times where I'm like, well, if I'm not acting, the next step is to just get into a relationship and start a family. <laughs> and it sucks because like, I hate relying on other people for my happiness. It's like I playing it. Sims. I hate it so much, but there is a part of me that's like, you know, there was like a serial independent part of me before. And now there is a part of me that's like, you can be loved and it's important but don't make that your everything either because you're not feeling fulfilled in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, like everyone I date is 
so emotionally unavailable that I don't have to worry <laughs> about relying on anyone. Oh my God. That's so funny. Girl, it's not funny. It's not funny. But... Everyone is so emotionally unavailable that I'm like, of course I'm an independent woman. Like I can't rely on you to text me goodnight after I say goodnight. Another like little fun quirky <sighs> thing about living in New York, <laughs> the dating Yeah. Scene. Everyone is so terrible. I'm like, no one's just normal. That is like so there's funny. no just like stat like you like the guy that you're with is not from like like he moved here he moved yeah, afterwards he right? so he's well. not tainted right mm-hmm. like I recently started I'm kind of like juggling two guys right now that are very different <laughs> but I started talking to this one guy who's like very sweet like he was in the Peace Corps in Ukraine from 27 to 2019 wow. he's getting like a second master's in international affairs at like Fordham so he lives in the Bronx so that's far but he's like this sweet he's from Michigan so he has an accent he's so sweet and I'm like you're so untainted by this world and like I don't even know if our connection's that great but like you're just a breath of fresh air I do like I really oh, try you're normal you know no, what I, mean? I was so bitter for so long and like oh, it's so bad. extremely jaded and I am still jaded like I'm I'm less bitter more jaded I would say at this point but <sighs> even that I'm trying to like let go of a little bit because yeah. it just like it it feels like sometimes it's this just energy that is following me that I don't oh, it's like. so bad I don't like it and I don't want people to know me in that way but it is really hard to sort through all of these emotions and experiences and interactions and and come out like a positive balanced human being no I agree with this you kind of work like it's it takes a lot to yeah. shed those those previous expectations and just mm-hmm. you know what you thought was going to happen what you thought this was going to be like um and kind of just taking it day by day and like like you yeah. said even with the neighborhoods upper west side is suiting you now it meets all your yeah. needs it's working yeah. and that's great and I think that that translates too into this whole conversation with like our careers. It's like yeah, the the theater pursuit was not serving me anymore. It was at, yeah. at that time. Mm-hmm. It was not working for me. I was not feeling fulfilled by the other things that were taking up my time. And what, when do you draw the line? It's kind of like, yeah. oh, okay, I, I'm I know myself. what I need right yeah. now is stability. That's what I'm craving. That's what my yeah. body needs. That's what my brain needs that's what I'm going to seek out. And once I find, maybe once I find that I'll decide that something else is, you know, yeah. I'm so, there's something else I'm craving. Exactly. There's a different direction I might turn, but like, yeah, working with what, um, what's in front of you and making those decisions accordingly. It's, yeah, it's like a learning curve, but it's important. Yeah. And I got to say, like, I'm very thankful for the stability I have in my career. Yes, I'm still learning the ropes and that's going to take a little bit of, you know, my brain is shifting from what it usually does in, you know, in the nine to five space. Yeah. Um, But it is very vital for me to continue creating once I am at a level-headed space to do so Mm -hmm. because you the itch is always going to be there. Totally. And there's I a reason, that. Fiona, there's a reason why we, why we ate Shaisa for as long <laughs> as know. we did. No, because that itch is in us and we can't negate that itch. No. There's and I feel no. like I can actually do it more justice when I do have this mm-hmm. ability. Like for already sure. I'm feeling that I'm like, Oh, I can, yeah. I feel more creative because my brain space isn't being taken up by yeah. how broke I am, you know, like Correct. it's not distracted by 
the simple things that need addressing. basic needs, like basic food, water, needs. shelter, basic needs are being yeah. met. And now I yeah. can move up. Yeah. And I, I'm excited to, and I'm almost there, get to a point of comfortability in my headspace with this job to, okay. And now six o'clock ends like, mm-hmm. okay, we're done. And now we go to this class or I'm I'll rent a studio and like work on my puppet stuff. Cause that's important. I think I'm yeah. the only person that's ever interviewed for this company and talked about my puppets at the end <laughs> yeah. with HR. And like, he loved it. Like, you know what I mean? Absolutely. It's like, yeah, yeah. nothing is forever. Like we're not putting it no. down forever. It's just like, no, figuring out what you need. In that yeah. Moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm well, always going to be a weirdo. <laughs> I know I love it. And, um, <laughs> please, before I let you go, tell people where they can find you and see your pop. Oh my goodness. All it's glory. <sighs> so I'm still working. I'm still working on putting it out there. Um, I have a lot of stuff and I'm working on putting it out there. My Instagram is page Bridget Barry. Bridget is spelled B-R-I-D-G-I-T. I also do have a website that follows the similar spelling. I think it's pagebridgeberry.com. Mm-hmm. However, I am working on a YouTube channel. Um, tentative title is Puppet Axe. Oh. Um, and yeah, so I, I do want to develop some episodes for kids and maybe even do some sort of a vlog style with oh, Mr. Alpaca because he's kind of He's kind of a haggard man and we have a story to tell. I know. We're going to have Fiona. Hi. Wait, what's, hi. Your, what's your name? My name's Mr. Alpaca. Well, Mr. Alpaca. Hi. How are uh-huh. you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. It's so good to meet you. I've seen you in photo. I know. I, I'm not wearing my sweater right now. I'm sorry. It was my <laughs> at home clothes. So he just like makes people happy and I just like, you know, want to share them with the world. We're going to have point. to do a part two where I learn how you got into puppetry because we didn't, Girl, you, we didn't address <laughs> the, the island story. life, the you island life. I didn't even ask you what you were supposed to go to Harvard for. What was that going to be? MFA in acting and acting. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, casually at Harvard. It would have um, been insane. Um, but you know what? It's fine. It's fine. Um, well, it's Paige, fine. thank you so much. Fiona, thank you so much. I'm sorry. I took up like half of your Sunday. Are you, no, I, <laughs> Uh, this is has been so wonderful and thank you for being so generous with um your experiences and your thoughts and feelings no in the world to me so thank you to everyone for listening this has been Fiona Winch with Paige Berry on thoughtful intentions <laughs>